I think that's the biggest mistake is just letting it happen to you. Sitting back and letting it happen versus taking charge and taking ownership of anything in your life, but especially when it comes to money. Welcome to Profit and Prosper, a podcast for entrepreneurs who are ready to make some money while doing what they love. On this podcast, we're going to pull back the curtain and talk about all things business and money, but I promise you this is not your typical boring numbers talk. I'm your host, Sarah Young, a CPA and CFO with over a decade of experience in finance, business, and leadership. I'm going to share everything I've learned from helping my clients grow more profitable businesses and keep more of what they earn while growing my own successful business along the way. You'll feel empowered and confident that you too can grow your wealth, live a rich life, and have an impact. Stick with me and you might even start to think that finance is fun. Let's dive in. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to this week's episode. We are going to get a little bit personal because I am going to share some of my personal money story. Actually, I say a little bit personal. It's probably a lot personal. I have honestly been procrastinating this episode for about three months now. (laughs) It was I put it on my list a few months ago because I felt like this is something that I need to talk about for a variety of reasons. And then I've kept pushing it down the list. And so now I'm here. It's a Friday. I'm recording this episode. I have a meeting in 35 minutes. And so I'm really putting myself, I'm just going to share it. I'm going to rip off the Band-Aid. And hopefully the whole point of me sharing this story is I want you to understand that, you know, I don't, I don't want there to be any sort of spoken mirrors here. I don't want you to look at me and think because I am a virtual CFO, because I'm a CPA, because I'm, quote, good at money and numbers and spreadsheets that I'm also, you know, that I've never had trouble with money. So my story, the short version is, I was 26 years old, recently divorced, $55,000 in debt. I had $1,200 between my checking and my savings account. And I mean, obviously my net worth was negative, you know, $53,000 basically. And I went from there when I was 26, I'm now 35. And for years now, the only debt that my current husband and I have is our mortgage. And right now I would put our net worth at high six figures, close to seven. And we're actively working on growing it using all the things I talk about in this podcast. I carry, I have carried a lot of shame around this story. And so that's part of why I wanna share it is like I said, just rip off the Band-Aid. I don't want other people to feel like your money story should be a source of shame for you. I think that, you know, ultimately we all have some story that we tell ourselves around money that we have to overcome. And the longer I'm in business, the more I realize that this stuff here that I'm going to talk about, my mindset and the energy that I carry around my money story is what is going to propel me in business or hold me back. And I don't want it to hold me back and I don't want it to hold you back either. The reason I thought I should share this is back in June of 2022, I think it was June, I went to this brunch and there were a lot of women there, mostly business owners. We were just talking about personal growth, all of this stuff. While we were eating lunch, they passed around a bowl 
and they wanted you to pull a question. There's like a little piece of paper with a question on it out of the bowl and answer it. And so my question that I got caused me honestly in front of this room full of mostly strangers, <laughs> but they're really nice strangers to break down and just ball my eyes out, honestly. And the question that I got was, what is something in your life that you didn't do or that you turned down and you now regret? And my regret is very closely tied to how I got $55,000 in debt. And my regret was when I was a senior in high school, I started this relationship with someone that I stayed with for about eight years. I got married right out of college, divorced three years later. And after we split up, after I left with the debt, I said, I'm, it's not worth saying I'm taking this debt. I just have to get out. After I left, I realized from reading an article that the relationship was very emotionally abusive. It was very manipulative. Despite me being, you know, the achiever and the breadwinner, I stayed in that relationship because I was staying small. I was being kept very small. And it took me that long to realize that I could break free of that. So let me tell you a little bit about how I got into debt and then how I got out of it. I was raised in a very middle-class family. To be honest, I didn't want for anything. I certainly was not raised to be rich or to have a millionaire mindset or to be a business owner. These are things that I have taught myself over the years. I do have this one pretty specific memory of sitting in the car and learning about mortgages and like home equity. <laughs> like, you know how you have those just random things that just stick out in your head? Like that's one of them for me is I remember learning about mortgages and equity. I know that I had a checking account too from like middle school age. Um, and then when I was in high school, I got my first job when I was probably 15, I think, when I was the summer before my sophomore year, I believe or junior year, I can't remember, but it was at a peach farm. It was about a mile down from our house. So I grew up, or I went to high school in York, South Carolina. It's about an hour outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And South Carolina, fun fact, produces more peaches than Georgia, even though Georgia is known as the peach state, but that's not the topic of this episode. Anyways, I worked at this peach farm where they had a little stand and they sold peaches, produce, ice cream, all this stuff. I was the peach tree girl. So I had my checking account and I would put my paychecks in there. I saved up. I used it as my spending money. I saved up and I, you know, took myself on a trip to Europe after high school. The only time in my life I've been to Europe. Sad, I know. But, you know, I think going into college, I was set up really well. And I actually did not have any student loans from college. I was very lucky in that regard because when I was growing up, my parents always communicated to me that if I wanted to go to college, I needed to figure out how to pay for it and they weren't going to pay for it. I applied for every scholarship known to man. I took the PSATs. I was a national merit finalist and I was pretty, I was pretty close to the top of my class um, in high school. And that helped me get a lot of scholarship money. Um, and so I went in and I did not have, you know, bills to pay in college. I had scholarship money and a little bit of spending money for my parents that helped me just pay for rent and the bills and groceries and all that stuff. So I was honestly set up really well in college, but it was after I graduated college where I started to 
slowly over time, sometimes not so slowly, pile up a lot of debt on credit cards. I say that this story is pretty closely related to my relationship story because I feel like after I got out of college, I felt like, you know, I I was the one who had the salary out of the two. To be fair, I graduated college in 2009, which was the height of the Great Recession, and so I know jobs were hard to come by. I got a teaching job through Teach for America, so I taught high school math in rural North Carolina for two years after college. My salary my first year teaching was $32,000, and I was supporting two people on that salary, really. You know, I think that there, plus also getting married, which was crazy expensive, So it led me to pile up debt pretty quickly after college. So I graduated college in 2009. When I left my relationship um, shortly after that in October 2013, so I had this spreadsheet that I went and I dug out from my old like Dropbox files that I used to just obsessively maintain where I was tracking all of my debt balances. In October 2013, I went from from no debt in 2009 to October 2013, I left this relationship taking all of the debt on just to get the hell out. I had four credit cards with a $17,000, $17,880 balance. I had a student loan from getting my master's degree, not from undergrad, um, and paying living expenses during that year of $29,718. I had a car loan of 2,706. Fun fact, that car loan was on the car that I still have to this day. And I owed my parents $4,212 because they would randomly help me pay for bills when we were short on money. My total debt was $54,516 in October 2013. I had, according to my spreadsheet, I had about $1,200 in my checking account. And through my accounting job, which I was working in at Deloitte at the time in 2013, I had about $2,000 in my 401k. And I was not actively saving money. Everything I was paying was going to paying off these credit cards. I was paying about $700 a month in debt payments between credit cards, student loans, all of that. And I had 300 to 350 going to interest out of that 700. So half of it was going to principal, half of it was going to interest. How I got from no debt in 2009 to 55 grand in 2013 was it was a slow process where if you ever have heard the phrase of boiling the frog, that's how I felt like it was. So I left college and I got this teaching job in Teach for America. And I needed to go to Chicago. It was like a six-week training in Chicago. Um, I had to like move. I had to store my things. I had to do all of this mess to get ready. And I wasn't getting paid, obviously. So I got a credit card when I graduated college. This was in spring 2009, the height of the Great Recession. I don't know how I got this credit card. I actually still have this credit card to this day. It is my oldest one. So this credit card had like a six or $7,000 limit and the interest rate was and is a fixed 6.25% interest, which is insanely low for a credit card, let alone a credit card that was given 
to a recently graduated college student with no income, (laughs) no real credit history at the height of the Great Recession. I have no idea how I got this card, but I still have it because I will not close it down because one, my it has the longest credit history, but it also has a 6.25% interest rate if I ever need it. It's crazy. I got that card in the spring of 2009 and immediately put $3,000 on it. I don't remember what that was for, but it, something was going on where I had to put $3,000 on that card. And then the balance grew by November 2009. I was at $6,200 and the limit was $7,000. And then I basically stayed in the high 6,000s just under the limit where I would pay like $200 on that card and then immediately go like spend in the month basically forever until I finally paid it off. (laughs) So that was driven by living on a teacher salary of $32,000, supporting two people, one of whom was frankly not making money. I think there was some point in the year, like he was working as a bus boy at a restaurant, literally, um, and having, you know, expenses. Frankly, also, I'm not a frugal person. And so like, I probably bought stuff that I probably didn't need that much at that time. Then in fall of 2010, I got an offer in the mail where it was like, oh, transfer your balance over to this card, 0% interest for the first 12 months. And so I did that, but then basically immediately racked the balance back up on my old card because even though I transferred the balance, it didn't make me, you know, shut the old card down. Then I got another one of those offers in the fall of 2011 and did the same thing transferred a balance, and then literally within a month had all of the cards racked up to almost to the limit. And then did the same thing yet again in spring, summer 2012. So I had four credit cards, actually five, because there were points in time I had a Best Buy credit card where I had to buy stuff at Best Buy. So I had five credit cards that I was basically maxing out the balance and I was paying $250 to $300 per month on all these cards, but then could not, you know, pay down the balance. I just kept racking it back up. In 2012, this was also when I went back to school. So I went back to UNC to get my master's in accounting in 2011, graduated in 2012. And that was the year that I got almost $30,000 in student loans because There's really not much scholarship money for master's programs out there. And then I remember in the spring, I had to go back and um, basically take out as much loan money as I could because when I was getting my master's, still married, still in this relationship, um, still not having a ton of income coming in, I was in school full-time getting my master's. Before the fall of 2012, I had taken all of my CPA exams, which are really hard exams. There's lots of studying that has to be done to pass those exams. I took all four, passed them on the first try. I was tutoring people because I had used my math teacher skills to get some tutoring jobs. I was tutoring like middle and high school kids in math and then tutoring some college kids in accounting. And I worked part-time at the Barnes & Noble that was really close to my house just to make some extra money. Like, I honestly, I don't know how I juggled all of that, but I did. And I still racked up $30,000 in student loan debt and maintained the balance on my credit card. This was when I had this spreadsheet 
that I tracked meticulously each card, the limit, what the balance was, what the interest I got charged was, how much I paid. And then I would project out, you know, for the future months, how long is it going to take me to pay off all these cards over time? If I pay a little bit more, how much will I save in interest? Like I would, I would spend hours staring at this spreadsheet because honestly, this was something that stressed me out a lot. Really, I got up to my debt balance by, you know, spring of 2012. Then in 2012, I moved back to Charlotte and I got my job at Deloitte. I think my salary was $52,000 that year, which is a lot lower than they probably are now 10 years later. But I remember thinking like, oh my God, this is so much money. (laughs) And then within a year, I reached my breaking point in this relationship when just to be frank, I don't, I'm not trying to like talk shit about anybody, whether they deserve it or not. But I finally got to a place where it was emotionally abusive and it, there was one night where it's almost, I could feel it teetering into physical and I literally ran away from the house in the middle of the night and hid in somebody else's driveway behind their mailbox until he drove off and left the house and I could go back and I felt safe again. That was very much a wake-up call for me to say, screw this, I'm taking my $55,000 in debt and I'm walking away because I can't do this anymore. So I did and it took me four years about four years to pay off all of this debt. How do you know you're ready to hire a CFO? How do you know you'll get a return on a big investment like that? I know that you need a CFO when your business gets to be too big and has too many moving parts for you to be able to handle all of your finances. When you don't have a solid financial strategy in place and you would love to start investing and building your wealth, becoming more of a business owner instead of working a job in your business, but you just don't know where to start and aren't getting enough support from your bookkeeper or tax accountant. I'm on a mission to help more business owners become millionaires and to have more financial power. And we do that by increasing your cash flow and the value of your business, investing in the right things to grow and systematize everything, including paying you a regular CEO salary, of course, and then putting your profits into other assets that will in turn give you even more cash flow and passive income and potentially save you some tax money. Our CFO service is a very hands-on service for quickly growing six and seven figure businesses where you get an integrated finance team, including me as your CFO in your back pocket, all focused on making you more profitable. We'll handle your financial strategy, accounting, and taxes so you can turn your business into a wealth-generating engine. If you are ready to add a CFO to your team, you can read more about what we do at trustyoungco.com forward slash CFO and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page where you can book a free call with me. So here is how I paid off $55,000 in debt as a newly single 26-year-old late 20s. I started off, the first thing I did at the end of 2013 was I consolidated my debt. So student loans, I had like two or three student loans through the federal loan system. 
I went to a private loan provider and consolidated all of those down. I estimate in my spreadsheet, my math was I saved myself about $5,000 in interest by consolidating all of these loans down into one loan with one payment. Then I also, shortly thereafter, went to the local credit union. So this was Carolina's Telco, which um, Telco stands for telecommunications. Both of my parents used to work at Bell South and then AT&T, and this credit union was for telecom workers. And so I had an account there, and credit unions tend to be a lot nicer than regular banks. So I went to the credit union and I said, hey, look, I have got all of this debt. I would like to consolidate it down into one personal loan. Please help me. And they did. So this was in December 2013. I consolidated three of my five credit cards into a personal loan for $10,250. I kept, they made me close those three credit cards, which I was fine with. Those were the ones that I opened one at a time with the balance transfers and then racked them up. <laughs> I kept my Bank of America card that has 6.25% interest still to this day fixed, y'all. I don't know how I got that card. And I don't know how I kept getting balance transfer cards when they could clearly see in my credit report that I kept opening these up. I, I don't know. Anyways, I got a personal loan and I still had my balance on my Bank of America card and um, the Best Buy card, which was like where I had to buy a laptop or something for school. I had like paid that off by that point. So I started making, you know, one payment the interest rate on this loan was 9.25%, so much better than the rates on the credit cards, higher than my student loan interest rate. So I started making extra payments to the um, personal loan, and I used what is called the snowball method. So the snowball method is where you take all of your debt and you make the minimum payment on everything, but you choose either the highest interest rate or the lowest balance, and you pay that off as fast as you can. And then once you pay one off, you take the extra from that one and plow it to the next one. So it snowballs as your payments get bigger and you pay things off faster and faster over time. So because I had the highest interest rate, I plowed extra money to my personal loan to pay that off. And I had that paid off in about a year and a half, according to my spreadsheet. I'm glad I kept it, honestly. And then as soon as I paid that off, and honestly, throughout this time, I was paying still probably $700 a month in debt payments. I could have paid more, but I'm not a person who wants to, you know, eat ramen every night. That's just not what I do. Um, if you are, props to you. I was not. So I was paying about $700 in total with the extra going to the personal loan. And then at the time I got paid every other week. And so if you have ever gotten paid every other week, you know that two months out of the year, you get an extra paycheck because of how the timing works out. And so anytime I got the extra paycheck, I plowed the extra money over. There were a couple months where I sold things in my house. I had, you know, security deposit returned back. I got bonus money at work and I would plow. There was one month I put like $5,500 extra toward my debt from the extra money I had coming in. So basically anything extra, I was just plowing to my debt as fast as I could. So I kept doing the snowball method. And then by the summer of 2015, so this was two years later, I 
was moving in with this guy that I met six months before. (laughs) I'm sorry, honey, if you're listening to this, I'm not going to share all of our personal details, but we met in December, 2014. And then we moved in together July 31st of 2013. So we had known each other for about seven months. And you ever just know, like when you meet the person, like, you know, this is your person. That is why I felt comfortable moving in with him after seven months. My The timing actually worked out. Maybe it was the universe where my landlord decided to sell my little house in Plaza Midwood in Charlotte that I love to live in. And my now husband was buying a townhouse in Noda in Charlotte and was like, hey, perfect timing. We've got two sinks in the master bathroom and gas stove in the kitchen. You want to move into my snazzy townhouse? And I was like, okay. So when I moved in with him, I mean, rent on my house in Plaza Midwood was not super cheap. When I moved in with him, being able to share the cost with, you know, somebody else, I very quickly was able to start putting double the money. So like actually almost $1,000 more to my debt um, after we moved in together, because instead of, you know, I was paying less in other expenses, instead of spending that on other stuff, I put it to debt. So I paid off all my credit cards by the end of 2015. I had a loan to my parents that I paid off next. So they had given me throughout the years of teaching and being back at school when I was in my old relationship. There were many instances where they paid my car payment, where they paid for bills, where they just bailed me out, frankly, when I really needed it. And so I got to where I owed them over $4,000. I paid them off pretty quickly in 2016 after my credit cards. And then my student loans all got paid off by 2017. So those were the last ones left. So looking back at my massive spreadsheet, I calculate that by consolidating my student loans into one loan that had a 5.1% interest rate and then consolidating all of my credit cards or all but one into a personal loan with a 9% interest rate saved me somewhere in the ballpark of seven to $8,000 in interest because the interest rates were lower. Um, and then frankly, too, I was paying them off faster. So either way, I would say for people who are in debt, I usually like to recommend, can you get a consolidation loan? Can you combine this down? And instead of having to juggle, you know, five different monthly payments, maybe it's one or two. So that helped me a ton. I'm going to leave it there, my personal money story. I have done other episodes or I think one other episode where I talk about my business. I think this is a topic I can explore more of how I grew my business, how I'm using my business to fund personal expenses um, or not fund personal expenses in some cases. I will leave that for another day. But honestly, I hope that what you got out of this was it's okay to have trouble with money. A lot of people do, even me, quote unquote, a money person, I have had trouble with money in the past. And it's not because I'm bad at money. It's because of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And frankly, just I think in my case, I was also impacted by just not having the financial literacy that I really needed to know how to manage all of my spending and all of my debt. I did a podcast interview One of the questions that we ended on, the host asked me, what is the biggest mistake that you see people making with their money? And my answer, I have seen a lot of quote unquote mistakes. I don't like to use that word. I don't want to make you feel like 
you're making mistakes. But I've, I've seen people do things that they probably shouldn't have done with their money, myself included, obviously, if you listen to the story. But honestly, the biggest overarching thing that I see, especially with us women, is not taking charge of our money. So I've very much had to take charge of my situation where I finally grew a pair and got myself out of this relationship and then took, you know, the, I, I stepped up and I took some action to get myself, you know, consolidation loans and plowing any extra money that I could come across toward my debt to get it paid off. I think just taking charge of your money, whether it's your personal finances or your business, right? It's on us to learn how to manage how to do these things. It's on us to learn how to manage our money mindset. And so I think that's the biggest mistake is just letting it happen to you. Sitting back and letting it happen versus taking charge and taking ownership of anything in your life, but especially when it comes to money. So I hope that my story was helpful. If it resonated with you in any way, honestly, feel free to send me a DM on Instagram. I recently changed my Instagram handle to it's Sarah Young. So that's Sarah with an H. So you can find me on there. Send me a DM. I would love to hear if this resonated with you. If you have any questions about, you know, any of my story or anything else related to finance, you can submit. There's a link in my show notes where you can submit questions. I will answer on the podcast. This is something that I love to talk about and I want more women to take ownership of their money and build their wealth. So that is it for this week, y'all. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for being my free therapist this week and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Now, I want you to go take some action. What's one thing you can do this week to create more profit in your business? Send me a DM on Instagram at youngcocfo and share your action item with me. If you have a question or topic you'd like me to dive into, or if you're feeling empowered about taking charge of your finances, let's continue the conversation. Go to profitandprosper.co to submit a question or topic for me to talk about on the show. And because we all profit and prosper better with friends, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe wherever you listen, and share the episode. Make sure you tag me at youngcocfo on Instagram so I can give you some love, and I'll see you in the next episode.